You never know what kind of setup you're going to see at Springhouse. I uh, I wore a tie one Sunday. Uh, it was it was it was years ago. Does anybody remember that? Yeah, it, uh, and I just woke up one Sunday morning and thought I was supposed to wear a tie. I, I don't know. Hear these voices sometimes. The the word uh, the word says that whenever uh, a message goes forth, that it needs to be judged. And I need to say two things about the message that went forth this morning. First of all, it isn't the, the biblical pattern isn't one by one. Uh, the biblical pattern for going forth and ministering is at least two by two, and beyond that. Now, our, our salvation is individual, okay? No one can get saved for you, and, and our walk in a lot of ways is individual. But as we go forth to minister, uh, even Jesus, I mean, there were places he had to go by himself, but unless he had to go by himself, he had people with him. And, uh, and that, needs to be, that needs to be something that, uh, that is, is part of our walk. If you're going to minister with people, uh, if you're going to minister, and you have an opportunity at all. You take somebody with you. You go with somebody uh, because you need you need that support. Uh, and then secondly, just in case anybody misunderstood, and I don't believe at all this is what our sister was saying, but we're not we our our purpose is not to lift up the name of Springhouse. It it it, it never is. That's not what we're about. Uh, and it's like I say, just in case anybody would misunderstand that. Our purpose is to lift up Jesus Christ. And would I love people to come here? Sure, I want people to come here. That's, but uh, God, God will take care of that. Uh, we, we lift him up, okay? Uh, before I introduce the speaker this morning, I, I want to uh, say when I was a child back in the 50s, uh, the week after Christmas, my dad would do this thing uh, every year. He would, uh, he would get $2, and he'd go down to the Bank of Goodlettsville, and he would open up a, an account called a Christmas Club. And every week for that year, he would go and put $2 in the Christmas Club at the Bank of Goodlettsville. And then two weeks before Christmas, which that would normally be uh, December the 11th, uh, he, would, uh, he, he would pull out $100 for Christmas. Now, this was a racket because the bank didn't give him any interest whatsoever. But it was also a really good thing because we had $100 for Christmas. And that may not seem like a whole lot right now, but it was, it was, a, it was, almost, it was a week's pay for most people back in those days. And, you know, there were a lot of things in our culture and in our society that were wrong in the 50s, but that wasn't one of them. Because every year as a child, I had a great Christmas, and my parents never went into debt to do it. We, uh, we are called to walk in freedom. And the time of year that we're entering into is a time when that hard-won freedom that Jesus bought for us, we go and intentionally sell ourselves into bondage. Can I get a hallelujah? Or at least a, hey, yeah, we're in the building with you. (laughs) And so, uh, as you know, I set this up last week, but uh, this week uh, I have invited uh, uh, one of our elders, uh, a man that I have a high regard for, high respect, 
he has a, a, a keen business sense and been very successful, uh, but uh, he's also learned some lessons along the way. And I've invited him to come and speak to us today. Would you welcome Mario Gallioni? Well, good morning. Good morning. Let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your new mercies, uh, not just today, but every morning. Thank you, Father God, for your spirit and your abundance and your love for us, Lord God. Have your way with us, Lord God. Speak to our hearts and to our minds. And renew us, Lord God, for the glory of your name and the advancement of your kingdom. Amen. Um, when Pastor Ronnie asked me to speak uh, a few months ago, I knew I would be piggybacking his message from last week. Uh, and I thought it would be pretty straightforward until I heard his message last week. Um, I thought I would just take everybody through the Financial Peace University that we've been uh, studying here for the last uh, about 12 weeks. It's only supposed to be nine weeks, but we had some some day, uh, some weeks that uh, that we were off. But nonetheless, I would just take everybody through that, right? No, no big deal. Um, but then it really kind of hit me. Um, I read the bulletin. I don't tweet or do Instagram or 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 Snapchat. I leave I leave that to my kids. Um, I can't even stand the following the 350 of my closest friends on Facebook. Um, um, that's kind of how I feel about Facebook. You can read that. That was a, that was a t-shirt we almost actually bought, but uh, it wasn't authorized, so I thought we were going to get sued by Facebook, so I decided that we shouldn't do that. Um, well, anyway, to make matters worse, uh, last week during the first part of the sermon, uh, he talked about the pitfalls of Black Friday shopping. And for those of you who don't know me, I am in the footwear retail business. <laughs> and Black Friday is a pretty big deal for us. Um, so I was feeling kind of small, but then at least, at least as the sermon went on, I felt better because he said that one of the best gifts he ever got was a pair of boots. Remember that? And it saved his life. So I figured... You know what? Okay, it's not so bad. I'm going to be okay. Um, I, ha I do have a disclaimer, though. If I offend anybody today, or I make you mad, or I just step on your toes, uh, you can email Pastor Ronnie. Um, uh, we're just going to be able to touch on a few basic uh, financial principles uh, that we've been going uh, over in, in Financial Peace University, because I really believe that this church has done an awesome job over the years in teaching in this area. There's been numerous sermons and classes that we offer, you know, to help us. Uh, I remember one message that Pastor Ronnie taught recently on how to be happy weird. Um, it was one of the best messages that I ever heard. Uh, the main point of the teaching was, do I organize my life around generosity or the worries of my life? Right? It's just one of those two things. If it's around worry, then my mentality is, I never have enough. I don't get paid enough, I don't get treated fairly at my job, people don't care about me enough, they don't send me messages enough, the things I have aren't enough, you kind of get the picture, right? But if I center my life around generosity, then my worldview changes dramatically, right? And I look at 
my stuff differently. I look at people differently. And it really does change things. He said, generosity is not spontaneous. It's not about how much money we have or about how much money we give, but it's actually this. It's the premeditated, calculated, designated emancipation of personal financial assets. Now that's a mouthful, right? In other words, it's just about me and you being intentional and on purpose with all the resources that the Lord entrusts us with. It's what we do with them that matters. He said a generous person gives more, saves more, consumes less, and is in general just a happy, weird person. And I think he's right. Um, The message title is Great Gain. Um, This looks like a bar graph that I might have at work, right? You know, we want sales to go up. It's, It's Christmas. We want sales to go up. We want profits to go up. But great gain is not about that. Great gain is about responsibility. It's not about prosperity. Let me say that again to you. Great gain is about responsibility, not about prosperity. Prosperity is just one of the byproducts that comes when we handle God's resources His way. Amen? Um, In Financial Peace University, we cover this in great detail. We talk about insurance and mortgages and retirements and all the clever marketing things that us retailers try to get you to do to buy stuff. Um, But today, we're just going to kiss some of this stuff. We are going to keep it simple. Saint. Jesus spoke in parables. You thought I was going to say that other word. I'll say that a lot more later on. Trust me. Uh, But when you're a C-plus student like I was, I see, Um, you learn to survive by emulating people who have figured things out, right? Uh, Or you just plain copy them like I do, all right? So so here we go. There's a few key principles, four I will give you uh, for financial peace, okay? There's giving, of course. We've already heard on that, and we will talk about that. There's stewardship, management of the resources. There's debt, getting out of it and staying out of it. And then there's saving. Okay? If we will on purpose, intentionally, and faithfully do these four things with the money and resources that, that the Lord entrusts us with, we will be successful with money. It's not rocket science. We just need to be a little smarter than a fifth grader. That's about all, it, all we have to be. Okay, Handling our finances is really 80% behaviors and only 20% knowledge. We learned this in Financial Peace University. You could, you could take it even higher. It could be, I, I was talking with Pastor Ronnie earlier this morning. It's, it could be 90. It could be 95% behavior. It, it's really very little about what we know, but it is really about what we do. We live in too much of an instant. I got to have my answer. Did you, did you see my email I sent you? Did you, you know? We, got, we need an answer right away. We're in a soundbite uh, mentality. We, we, when it comes to money, we want to get rich quick, right? We want to we, we, we win the lottery. We want to be able to microwave something and have it done. Uh, handling finances is not that way. It's more like using a crock pot, right? Or it's more like making b- good barbecue. Let's use that one. Low and slow, right? That's how you make good barbecue, right? You got to get the right wood, it has to be, you know, got to get flavor. You use hickory or oak or, or, or cherry or whatever you use to, to, to give the extra flavor. You got to be meticulous about all the spices that you put in the dry rub to put on whatever you're going to barbecue, right? And then you got to let it marinate for hours and hours and hours before you cook it for hours and hours and hours in just the right heat, with just the right air, with just the right smoke, and at just the right time, 
you'll get some really good barbecue. I'm making you hungry, haven't I? Right? <laughs> Managing your finances is really the same. It's slow. It's steady. It's intentional. It's a long-term process. Okay? Um, giving. You can't separate Christianity and giving. Uh, you heard this last week from Pastor Ronnie. John 3.16 said, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The Lord's a giver, and we must be a giver as well. A few other scriptures um, that I'm going to give you, and, and there's, there's a lot of them, and they're written down in your notes, but I'm going I'm to read them because I think they're important. Leviticus 27 30 says, a tithe of everything from the Lord, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It's holy to the Lord. Proverbs, if you want to get knowledge about handling finances, just spend some time in the book of Proverbs. You'll get more than just knowledge on finances. You'll get knowledge on life, but just spend some time there. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops or all your increase. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Second Corinthians, love these. Uh, uh, 9.7 says, God loves a cheerful giver. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for the food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So pretty simply, a tithe is 10%. It's holy to the Lord. We start there. It's the first thing we do. It's from the top, right? Um, Give with the right heart, have a cheerful heart, and give generously above the tithe. Stewardship is really just managing the resources. You're a manager of the resources that God's entrusted you with. Any of the property or possessions that come, come into your into your midst. And we're managers of the Lord's wealth and creation. We're to take dominion over it and we are to care for it. Uh, Psalm 24, 1 states, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. The Lord's creation is alive and it's active, right? Uh, Just think about the properties of water. Uh, Water brings life to us. It quenches our thirst. It generates power. Um, but it also can cause destruction if it's not properly channeled. Um, another important verse from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18 says, You may say to yourself, my power and my strength and my hands has produced this wealth for me, but remember, it's the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms this covenant, which He swore to your forefathers as it is to this day. And back to Proverbs 27, 23, and 24, it teaches us, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. I know we're not farmers now, but it applies. Give careful attention to the herds, for riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. And Proverbs 21, 5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely haste leads to poverty. The plan or the budget uh, in in stewardship is probably the hardest, but the most important thing that we've got to do next to being a tither. Statistics show that only 70% of us or so uh, live on any kind of a budget. Think about it. I showed you that that initial uh, slide. We all, a lot of us at our work have 
some type of a plan or some type of a budget. If we didn't have that at work, we probably wouldn't, we wouldn't know where we're going, quite honestly. So why don't we have one of those for ourselves individually? We need to. Um, when it comes to uh, a budget or planning for us personally, the zero-based budget or plan is, is the best. This is where we assign a job to every dollar that comes into our household economy. We, we start at the top with our tithe, right? The first fruits. Um, and then after that, every dollar has a job. We assign every dollar a job to do. You pay your rent or your mortgage, your, your food, your clothing, your utilities, uh, transportation, pay off debts, and, and into savings as well. Now, we've got to do this every single month, intentional, on purpose, on paper for the rest of our lives, just like the barbecue, low and slow, right? It's, this, is, this is not a diet for our finances to get it all figured out, right? This is a life change, and this is what we need to do from here on out. Uh, you already heard that Black, uh, Black Friday or Christmas is coming soon, and so before you get that Black Friday bargain you can't live without, uh, husbands and wives, I suggest you sit down uh, together. If you're single, get an accountability partner. Find somebody who is, who is winning in this area and come up with a plan. You need to write it out. Assign a job again for every dollar that you think is coming into your possession. If you have a variable income, use an average, right? And, and find a moderate one. Don't go, don't go on the highest month, right? Especially during Christmas. And there's plenty of budgeting tools that you can get that are available online. Just be sure that they are zero-based budgets. So stewardship is managing the resources that the Lord has entrusted to us. It's, the Lord is the source of them. Uh, the budget or the plan we need to do every month from here on out before the month begins. Embrace the zero. This would be one time being a zero is a really good thing. Uh, accountability partner for, for you singles, husbands and wives, you need to work together. You know what another byproduct of handling God's money well is, husbands and wives, you will actually get along better. You will stop fighting as much because most of the fights that we have in marriage, they track back to, uh, to money fights. A lot of times what we've seen in financial counseling is, is that one spouse or the other winds up taking on the burden of the finances and the other one just says, okay, you know, you got this, but they don't talk about it. They don't communicate it. The preacher said that you are one. It's your stuff. It's not his and hers or mine and his, or mine and hers, however that goes. It's our stuff, right? Uh, debt. Uh, Pastor Ronnie talked about this already last week and again this morning uh, with the holidays coming up. Uh, it's one of the biggest reasons that we are in the shape we are in as a people, as a country, and, and sadly, the church at large. Um, the political parties have, do not get this right either. Our country has a national debt right now of nearly $22 trillion. That was with a T, trillion. Um, to put it in perspective, $1 trillion is 1,000 times a billion dollars, right? So $22,000 billion our country is in debt. Yikes. Um, but that's the government. What about us? Consumer debt at the end of 2017, this is not even so far this year, was at almost $13 trillion, almost $9 trillion in mortgages, $1.3 trillion in student loans, $1.2 trillion in auto loans, I hope you like the car, $1.6 trillion in credit cards and other various loans. And if we break that down by household, 
just on an average, the average household income right now is around 60000 Average mortgage is 180000 Average student loans is 50000 Average auto loans are 30000 And average credit card and various uh, other loans is 32000 That's a lot. 70 to 80% of us live paycheck to paycheck, and we could not pay cash for a $1,000 emergency. The key to getting out of debt? Stop borrowing money. We just have to stop. We have to stop spending more than we make. We must live below our means, not above them. You don't get out of a hole by digging it deeper. You fill it up, right? Now, the, the, the plan we teach is called the debt snowball. And very quickly, you just list all of your debts other than your house. Don't list your house. Um, that's the only debt, actually, that is a decent one because at least it appreciates, right, in value over time. Your car that you drive out of the showroom with in the first four years, 60% of its value drops after the first four years. Again, I hope you like the car. You, you list the debt smallest to biggest, right? And you systematically, you pay the minimum payments and you systematically take once you pay one off. I remember our first one was an Amico card. Got that thing paid off. And I think we had a balance of $300 on it and it was a $50 a month minimum. We took that 50 and added it to the next one so that you add more. Because what you got to do with that is you got to get rid of the principal. If you just sit there and try to play this shell game with moving debt around from one card to the next. I was a master at it, by the way. Um, you're just spinning your wheels. You'll never, you'll never pay it off. You got to bite into the into the principal, and so the debt snowball works really, really well. It's kind of like the way you eat an elephant, right? One bite at a time. One of my favorite life verses is Proverbs twenty-two seven: "The rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is servant to the lender." Some translations literally say "slave to the lender." We got to start using cash for things like groceries and eating out. We should actually eat out less if we're deeply in debt. Maybe the only restaurant we should be seen in is the one that we're working in. Ouch, ouch. Pay cash for your gas. Uh, pay cash for your $5 lattes. Um, you got to start feeling money again, right? When you only use, and your debit card's okay because it comes out of your account, I get that. But when you just sign your name, you don't feel it. You actually feel a little bit kind of like a big shot. That's the way I felt, right? When you have money, when the money leaves, your hands, you actually feel it. There's an emotion tied to it. Money is active. You will spend more when you use plastic because it takes the emotion out of it. Now, the money might burn a hole in your pocket. Remember, you used to hear that? That money burning a hole in your pocket? But plastic is really bad for the environment. And, and, and even worse for our financial health. I should have brought my own water bottle. I'm going to make sure I recycle this. You need to go back to paper, okay? All right, you guys still like me? You love me? Okay, I still love you. All right, saving. Proverbs 21.20, In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. After tithing, we should save. It must become a priority for our financial wellness. Now, building wealth is not evil, and it's not wrong. Money is amoral. This stuff doesn't have any morals right? What we do with the money is what's wrong or right, right? Do you know what's not right? Paying 15% interest on stuff we don't need or that we can't afford to impress people we don't know or even like. I'm just being real. 
I'm sorry, that's what we do. If money's truly, truly evil, then why is the church in just as much debt as the world? Why don't we just completely abstain, right? We're falling for the same stupid things that the world teaches. I can say, I already, I cleared this up in the first service. It is okay to say stupid when it comes to stuff like this. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We, we got to stop being deceived. Now, financial emergencies, they will come up, so we got to prepare for them. We just don't need to pre- use credit and debt taxes at 15 and 20% interest because the reality of it is, is for that emergency that comes up that you put on the credit card, the majority of us don't pay them off each month, and then we start paying interest. So save cash for emergencies. It works. You know, it's going to rain, right? We used to hear it. It's going to rain. Take the umbrella. Well, it's life's going to happen. It's going to rain. So if you have any debt other than your house, you need to set up a quick baby emergency fund, we call it, of $500 to $1,000, depending on your situation, in plain old cash and just stick it in the bank, kind of like the Christmas club that Pastor Ronnie talked about. You're not going to get any interest on it. That's not what it's there for. It's there for emergencies. And I got to tell you, the latest gadget or fishing pole to go into your bass boat is not an emergency if you are in debt. Nothing wrong with having any of those, right? But if you're in debt, that's not an emergency, right? If you can't pay for it, right? And ladies, you have your vices too. If you turn that Amazon box at home upside down, it's really a frown. It's not a smile. So... Anyway, you still love me? (laughs) Okay, I'm just checking. I love you too. All right. Once we get out of debt, other than our house, then we should accumulate three to six months worth of living expenses for our emergency fund. That's That's a good ratio. The more variable your income is, the closer to six months. The more steady your income, you can be closer to three months. Um, Once you get that in place, then you can get a little bit of peace, you get a little bit of traction, and then you can start saving for things like retirement and college. Now, the point of this message is great gain. Uh, it's also that we keep a balance on uh, what the Lord has entrusted us with, especially when it comes to money. First Timothy 6 says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men and women into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all evil. It's the love of money, the obsession and striving for it is what's evil. If our focus is that old Jerry Maguire, show me the money, right, attitude, then we probably are off track and are full of discontent instead of contentment. Just Let me give you a few signs just in case, in case you were wondering what discontentment looks like today. Attempting to get rich quick. Have you ever met somebody who has that scheme about how they're going to make a bunch of money? Ever, okay, right? You need to avoid that person, right? That's the lottery mentality. You might as well just take your money, roll down the window, drive down Sam Ridley, and throw it out because that's what you're going to do with your money. Proverbs 28.20 says, A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will not go unpunished. How about this one? Trying to appear wealthy. I was good at this one. We need to stop trying to keep up with all the beautiful people that we see on TV that have clearly been photoshopped. 
okay? Um, drop that one-upper mentality. Have you ever met somebody like that? Like you might, you might have just done something really cool or got something really cool, but theirs is one better than yours. If you have that kind of attitude, you got to drop that. That's, that's not a healthy one. Proverbs 20, 10, 22 says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow to it. How about feeling anxiety about what you don't have, right? You know, if I only had, you fill in the blank. When I will, I will then be happy if I get X, right? No, you won't. Who are you kidding? You're not kidding me. Again, I was the master at that. When the next gotta, think, gotta have thing comes out, you will be unhappy again because you've got to have that next thing, right? How about allow us, allowing jealousy and envy to creep into your mindset? Hebrews 13.5 encourages us to let our conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. This mentality says that I resent what you have and I don't think I can ever have what you have so I don't want you to have it. That one might actually hurt a little bit. Have you ever had resentment when you see people get stuff that you want? Not a good way to go. Now you can have a few different attitudes toward money. You can have a spirit, a spirit of poverty. Woe is me. I'll, I'll always be broke or always be in debt. And listen, let me clarify something. There are truly people who are in need. And we should be, the church is called to be the ones to help people who are truly in need. Pure religion, James says, is to take care of the widows and the orphans. That's our job, not the government's job. They will not do a good job. They have not done a good job with it. They're too far away from it. That should be a personal thing. You need to be the hands and feet of the Lord for someone who's in need. How about a spirit of pride, the foolish kind? Whoa, look at me. Now that was the kind of, that was the attitude I had about money. It's all about the nice car. It's all about the nice clothes, the nice shoes. Um, but you got to pay for them. Um, or the best way is to have that spirit of godliness and contentment. That's the only way you can have peace about your finances. Now listen, contentment is not apathy. It just means that money and stuff does not control us. Content people don't always have the best of everything, but they do make the best of everything. Let me say that again. Content people don't always have the best of everything, but they make the best of everything. Contentment's not a destination. It's not a place. It's not an amount of money. It's just how we take the journey. It's the manner of how we feel and not caring really what other people think. True contentment, as we know, is only found in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, whoever believes... Okay, the worship team, if you would like to start coming up. Um, I'm almost 58 years old, and I wasn't saved until I was 30. And uh, all during my 20s, I made a lot of stupid, dumb choices with my life and money because I was chasing the world view of what contentment is. I played, paid plenty of stupid tax along the way. And while the money things necessarily the money itself because I said remember the money the money is not what has the morals it's what I was doing was what was immoral I still associate all those things that I did with money because of how deeply indebted I got on my stupidity and what it caused every dumb thing I did before the Lord got a hold of me I associate with money 
that's who I was and how I viewed life, but I never, ever want to go back to that way of thinking again. And I will help anybody get out of that mess or better yet, help you from, from going there in the first place. I would not only give someone who needs a fish or give, give a helping hand to, but I want to teach them how to fish. Amen? Amen. Um, I, again, I realize there's things that happen to us that are out of our control, and I'm not talking about those things. I'm only talking about the 80 or 90% of the behaviors that we can control. And I'm also not talking to any of you who I may have offended and think because you think you have it all figured out and don't agree with what I said. That's okay. My, my statement's not for you anyway. But I will say this to you. If you got it all figured out, there's people to your right and to your left who need your help. Are you helping them? The cross is vertical first. It's planted in the ground and then goes to heaven. But then it extends to our right and to our left. It's our job to help people. Now, the Lord was gracious to me and, and, and brought me my wife, Melanie, and, and other godly people into my life that who were willing to speak the truth to me in love. And that's what makes the difference. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Jesus Christ is the greatest contentment of all. He's the greatest gain of all. Now, maybe you're like I was, lost and searching for contentment in all the wrong places. I want you to know that Jesus loves you and he wants to fill that void. He is only the only one who can do that. There's no amount of wealth. There's no amount of achievement. There's no amount of fame. There's no thing in this world that can fill that void except Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've just, you know, you know the Lord and you've been handling money this way because you've fallen for the schemes that the world throws at us. And trust me, there are a lot of schemes. We just have to be wiser than that. If that's you, today is a new day, right? His mercies are new every morning. You may feel surrounded. You may feel like you are never going to get out of that debt. But we sang it earlier. You're surrounded by the Lord if you know the Lord. If you will do things His way, He will make it a new day. He will change your heart. And you just have to let Him. Amen. Pastor Ronnie? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I know that a lot of you already are on all this stuff and doing all this stuff. And I also know that those who are, are the ones sitting there going, man, I'm glad he shared that. Uh, those of you, and I also know that there are people here who probably need to hear this the most. And you're hearing another voice that goes, I'm too far gone. You know, I, I can't do that. That's not devil is a liar and the father of all lies and he is speaking lies to you you can change you can change and that's what god wants you to do because he wants you to be free 